everyone, this is Tommy Nate. And this is Giga Gaming. And this is the guest podcast where we talk about gaming, esports, streaming, and technology. We got a hot lineup today, including a new guest, which is the founder and COO for Pride uh, Gaming Organization. They got streamers, they got content creators, they got it all. And we're going to sit down with Ethan. We're going to get to know a little bit about him, know a little bit more about Pride, and it's going to be amazing. Yeah, we have a bit of a Q&A lined up for him, so that should be good to help, uh, you know, get Pride's name out there a little more and help us learn more about Pride, and, you know, that'll, that'll be pretty good for us. Hell yeah. Wearing the hat, by the way. Go Pride. Sorry, bud. Get the G1 here. <laughs> we got the G1 right there for you audio listeners. I got a little plaque with my logo on the wall behind. Pretty good shit, I gotta be honest. Anyways, let's gonna get gaming. Right- Let's gonna get right into the gaming news here. So uh, we we do have to touch on the the pre order disasters for the Xbox. Oh man, <laughs> they Xbox and PlayStation. They they were throwing shade at Sony, promising a great launch, and now it's just as bad or worse. Yep. It, it's really hard to find still a PS5 or an Xbox. And another big issue with their pre order launch is that sales of the Xbox One X, the current gen, have went up eight. 100% because parents are getting it confused. I, I, you know, I say parents, you know, people that are less technologically, you know, uh, literate, I, I suppose, that don't follow it too much will see this and they, and they buy one because they're like, oh, that must be it because the yeah. names are so similar, man. It's crazy. I did, I did hear of a lot of people accidentally purchasing the Xbox One X. And I mean, I feel like they could have, they, they could have prevented this. Like, I understand the names are very similar, but there could have been other ways. Like, are you meaning to buy an Xbox Series X? This isn't the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's definitely. I feel like they should have maybe even taken the Xbox One down off some storefronts while they put yeah. the pre-orders up. Because I mean, who, really, right now, who's buying the current gen consoles when you have the new ones coming out in months? It exactly. just doesn't make any sense. That being said, I did get my hands on an Xbox Series X last week. Um, it just kind of popped up on Best Buy. It's like, hey, pre-order now for your area. And and the way that I got mine was I'm actually going to the store to pick it up. So it is specifically for my store. I'm pretty happy about that. Um, yeah. I do I do want a PS5. P- <laughs> we can talk about this PS5 pre-order debacle <laughs> way more because I have tried so hard to get this. But uh, Xbox Series X, it kind of went, hey, we're live. I went, got it instantly. So I secured that one. I'm willing to trade it for a PS5, though. <laughs> <Let me tell laughs> you. Uh, I mean, I with like we said it before, like on the past episodes, but with all the Xbox games that really come to PC, at this point, mm-hmm. it's like, for us at least, there's like no reason to own an Xbox. Because I, I have a Beast PC that will just play all my games on anyways. So. Yep. They, they so, really do need to keep some exclusive console only, I think, to stay hyper-competitive. So I did see that um, Xbox kind of has a little exclusivity, uh, especially for Watch Dogs Legion. Uh, the console gets that two weeks before. I mean, two weeks, wow. But two weeks before anywhere else. So if you really want to play the new Watch Dogs, you could get the Xbox Series X, and you'll be one of the first to play it. Um Besides that, there were more pre-orders that went live on Target last night, and I have an alert on my phone that plays a special sound. <laughs> um, as soon as they, as soon as a PS5 goes live for pre-order on Xbox or not Xbox One, 
on Walmart, GameStop, Target, Amazon. Um, if if the pre-order button becomes available, I get a notification to my phone. And yesterday I got it, yeah. and me and me and my fiance were watching a movie. I got that notification. I just sprung up out of the couch and ran to my computer. And she's like, what's going on? What's going on? I was like, PS5 pre-order, PS5 pre-order. And I sat where I am right now. I sat in the Target website, control R pre-order, control R pre-order, because I just kept refreshing the, the website. And it's just like not available, not available. And I just keep hitting control R pre-order until it would get me in. And it's like, do you want the Allstate two-year protection plan? I was like, no, go to checkout. And I even, I, I ran into multiple problems, but I perfected it by the end. If I had this perfected, I would have easily been able to get a PS5 or I would have had more chances. But my issues were I had, you, do you know Honey? Yeah, yeah, I use Honey. The, the thing that gives the coupons. Yep. Every time I'd go to the checkout screen, Honey would pop up and be like, there might be coupons available. So I'd have to X that out and then hit the checkout button. So I just uninstalled Honey. I was like, I don't need you right now. <laughs> yeah. So I uninstalled that. And then we got to the next step where you choose your card that you want to place the order. And it kept having me re-enter the entire card number in. And then if I hit enter and I got through that step, I'd have to put the security code in. So I was just like, I'm never going to get this. So I actually probably don't recommend doing this. But what I did was I... <laughs> I typed my card number out and then I copied it. So as soon as I get to the card number spot, I just hit control V, control V, control V. That's funny. So I actually did get it very perfected, but I was still unlucky at the end and I have yet to claim a PS5. I, I have LastPass and I have my credit card in information in that. So like whenever I go to like a credit info field, it'll like mm. automatically fill those fields for me which which is nice for you know when i'm at when i'm at my own pc or whatever i don't worry that someone's going to come up here and like get the password and, and get in or anything so it's, that's yeah. like whatever to me but uh yeah I, the pre-order thing is like kind of kind of crazy <laughs> it, it's impossible. it's insane actually insane uh that being said i even went to two game stops on tuesday or wednesday because they were selling them in my area and the night before, I went to one GameStop just to check how many pre-orders they were going to have and when I should show up the next day. Eight pre-orders available, eight people in line. <laughs> more than more than 14 hours before the pre-orders became available at this GameStop. Uh, the next day, I went to the GameStop in the mall near my area. There was a line of 50 people. They only had six pre-orders available. I, was, I looked at the line. And just turned around, walked away, drove home. What, what I was I like, find, why are all these people in line? What I find so funny about it is, like, what's well, like, why would you waste all this time? And I don't mean you, but like anyone, especially like these people that are like hyper vigilant, like always looking for it. Why do you waste hours and hours and hours? Like some of these people have been hunting every day since the pre-orders came out. Just wait. I, I, like they're gonna I, show up. Like, what's the big deal? Just get them when there's a little less demand, because then there'll be tons of supply. They're not gonna always be sold out for the rest of time. There, there's one answer as to why everybody wants it right now, and I guess I myself am am included in this answer. And it's just FOMO, bro. The fear of missing out. You know, you want to get that PlayStation Five day one so you can talk about playing PlayStation, and with all your friends who also have one, if they get one and it's honestly it's just fomo bro 
I, I don't want to miss out on the day one PS5, and I wanna I wanna start playing Miles Morales. I want to start playing Demon Souls and just these PS5 exclusives. I want to get my hands on them. You know? I, I guess as someone who doesn't care for console gaming nearly as much as I used to, I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, whatever. You know, I'll, I might buy one. You know, in two months after launch or something. You yeah, know, maybe yeah. maybe the hype will be settled down, and a couple of critical patches have came out to fix because there's always issues with new products. So it's hopefully, true. hopefully in a couple of months after, it, it should be a bit more sorted out and easier to buy. Obviously, because you know, once Christmas passes, you know, around February, uh, PS5 supply, you, you'll be able to order one whenever you want. So yeah, like you know, I get what you're saying. Like people really want a day one, and and I understand that. Like there's stuff that I want day one that I'm really excited for too, but. I'm not gonna lose sleep over it, and I'm not gonna be like screaming about it. It's not gonna piss me off. It's just yeah, exactly. Like like I'm not I'm not losing sleep or getting pissed off over it. But every opportunity I see to get a PS5, like I get excited. It pumps me up. I really want this PS5, so like I'm trying my hardest. And I even had a friend yesterday who uh, told me he secured one, and he's like, "Yo, I'll I'll give it to you. Like you got first dibs." And his pre-order got canceled because. Gum target uh was canceling pre-orders especially if you were using apple pay it seemed to be an issue yesterday Mm. um so his got canceled it's whatever he tried tried to help out a brother but pre-orders will still be going on the playstation 5 comes out and i think uh 43 days or 45 days or something like that so still over a month you still got time and try to get yourself a ps5 let us know if you do happen to get one and We'll be sure to give you a comment back or something. Um, as of that, I mean, we got some notable new games hitting PC and other consoles this week. Yep. Um, September 29th, for all you Spelunky Spelunky fans, Spelunky Two is coming out, which is like a it's like a like a roguelike mining dungeon crawler type platformer. Would, would I that, guess you could would say. that be similar to like a Binding of Isaac type deal? I think in in a way it definitely is because like you get items that help you out and stuff, but um, you just kind of have to keep digging down till you get to the final levels and stuff. And then if you die, upgrade stuff and whatnot. Okay. Um, beso- besides that, that, I mean, that's a pretty huge title. You're definitely going to see a lot of streamers playing that. Um, besides that, there's a game called The Sojourn. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, it's a first-person puzzle game coming out. I don't know exactly too much about it, but it does look very interesting, and the art for the game uh, looks very vibrant and um, interesting as well. Uh, and then we have another VR game coming out. It's The Walking Dead Onslaught, and this is the official VR game of AMC's The Walking Dead. So I do think some people will be interested in this title, but um, I wonder I, how that'll go. I've played VR... Uh, I don't remember the name of this game. Someone, someone listening might, but uh, it was like a zombie-based VR game, and, and you had to. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of had the movement of like the teleport and whatnot, and whatever. And yeah. it was pretty cool. And, and anyways, I remember I was playing it, and I was like, man, this is so realistic. Like it actually, you know, it, it doesn't look amazing because you know VR tech still has a long way to go. But I, w- I was playing, and and the the gun was like I had a pistol and it felt so smooth dude like aiming yeah. and shooting like the hit detection was like just just mwah. and there was this like I was at the bottom of this like kind of mountain area and there was like a big ridge line above me and mm. this zombie man he must have been like 300 meters away like you could hardly see him on the screen and I like close one eye and I literally I'm like I'm like trying so hard I'm like 
I'm like this to stabilize <laughs> my hands, like putting one on top of the other to shoot. And I one tap this zombie from like 300 meters. Oh, like standard gaming's awesome, but when, the stuff you can do in VR, dude, <clears throat> it is crazy how nice it feels when it works good. Yeah, and honestly, yes. Um, I haven't played too many VR shooters in my life, but when I did, they were all pretty, pretty fun to say the least. And they they do a good job with like the movement being the teleporting and whatnot. Um, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of VR shooters. I don't I don't know if everybody is, but hey, I think I think it'd be they, hard. They not make to. a good one. What was that? It'd be it'd be hard not to enjoy them, right? Because. Yeah. Like everyone loves the feeling of, you know, that satisfying when you know, I just point and boom, just gone, destroyed. Like that's awesome, yeah. man. Especially if like uh say for the PS4, um their VR system, you can actually get the gun. Yeah. So it feels like you're kind of holding a gun while you're aiming and shooting at them. I played some of uh, the PSVR stuff and it, it it is good. Especially for the like the hardware level like PS4 Pro and whatever. Not that mm-hmm. crazy powerful. And the fact that it can run the VR as smoothly as it does, because you need a high frame rate for VR games, because you'll kind of get that like really bad motion sickness at 60 FPS or anything lower is literally unplayable. Like, you'll get sick for sure. So most yeah. of the VR games are 90 to 120 FPS. So to run at those high frame rates, you, you need a good bit of power, and you know mm-hmm. it, it pushes it and it does it pretty well. I agree with you. Um, so those games that I just mentioned there comes out September 29th, which is Tuesday. Uh, there's also a game coming out October 1st. This is called Drake Hollow. This game reminds me of Fortnite uh, Save the World, like the PvE aspect where you uh, it's like a survival build base and defend it against the oncoming hordes of enemies. Uh, but this one looks pretty intricate. It looks like there's more things to build and better ways to protect yourself. Um, so this might be a game that I'm actually interested in. Just from watching the trailer, I thought it looked really cool. And then October 2nd, we have probably one of the biggest games coming out um, in a while. And this is Star Wars Squadrons. Yep. Now, this game, I, I'm worried for one reason. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan of low prices, but this game is only $39.99. So it makes me think, like, it's probably not going to be a full game. Because if it were, it would be $60. Or there will be like microtransactions or something included. Isn't it multiplayer only? I thought. Uh, so there is a story mode. I think. Uh, you, you could be right. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure there's a story mode and there is multiplayer. Um, you could be right. I'm just gonna uh, say that. Let me, let me let me look it up real quick. I want to see if there's a. So, yeah, the official single player preview here. Yeah, it it uh, okay. uh, squadrons includes a single player campaign, but the focus is definitely on the multiplayer. For the narrative, you get two pilots that provide opposing perspectives on the story. One is a New Republic pilot, and then it kind of trails off here in the, in the search result. But yeah, there's there is a single player, but the focus is definitely on that multiplayer. That vehicle Someone's driving ripped. by is very <laughs> loud, dude. Holy, that was, say. That was pretty loud. Um, but yeah, I'm probably going to get Star Wars Squadrons without a doubt. It'll be on the Epic Store. And if you got Rocket League for free recently, you get a free $10 coupon that you can use towards Star Wars Squadrons. There you go. Boom, $30. That's even cheaper. Good. Go with it. I mean, you don't even have to download Rocket League. You just have to hit the Get Now button and apply it to your account. And then, <laughs> then there you go. You got a $10 coupon. 
That, that speaking of Rocket League, it, it's a little off track, but it, it did recently just hit like 1.35 million concurrent players on all oh, platforms, yeah. which is like more than CS:GO has ever gotten concurrently. So that's <clears throat> pretty nuts. So, so I actually have had Rocket League since 2015, which I think is launch year. Yeah. Um, I I have the title in game that says like established 2015, which is the time I bought it. But I haven't really played it as much as I do now. Ever since the game became free to play, I've probably synced more hours into that game than I ever have, which is kind of weird to say the least. But what's your rank? I'm, I'm heavily enjoying it. Um, so right now I, I'm not the greatest at the game, right? So <laughs> so I'm I'm platinum in multiple things, but I'm also not ranked in uh, other modes as well. Yeah. Yep. Plat's respectable. Like uh, most of the lower skill like players are gold, but. Yeah, I feel like it's the average, basically. Gold, gold, three, or plat. Uh, you can point. definitely tell a skill. Like, if I play a gold, like, I definitely stomp. But if I play, mm. like, you know, someone higher than plat, it's like, oh, man, this is a bit of a grind here. Because yeah. so sometimes they're doing, like, crazy aerials, and I'm like, man, like, most of the time I can hit the ball out of the air, but I'm not normally dribbling it off my hood or anything crazy. So, mm. it, like, oh man, it's it's the kind of game. The skill gap is huge. Like between like it the is. best players and the worst players. Like yeah. I I would I could play hundreds of hours against the world's best players, and I'd never win a game. And I don't know if that would be necessarily true for many other types of genres. Like fighting games, probably the same thing. You know, they're just so much better at everything. They've mastered it, and it's definitely the same thing with Rocket League. But I think in other genres, like you know, shooters or something. Like, I feel like you might get enough luck where you eventually, over enough time, might win a game. But, I mean, it, it all depends, right? I actually uh, was watching some of the Rocket League esports today because it was live, and uh, I was flabbergasted, to say the least, at oh. the amount of skill that these players have when playing Rocket League. It's just insane. And I, I like to think that I'm average slash decent at the game but watching them i got a lot to learn and i'm gonna oh. i'm gonna try my best <laughs> like like we're nowhere near and, and these people have put in like hours that you couldn't even fathom like mm -hmm. these people actually play rocket league five to ten hours a day yep like i'd never catch up even if i started playing 10 hours a day every day i'd never catch up it's it's insane um Rocket League's definitely one of those games where you wouldn't think it, but it requires a ton of skill, and I mean the ceiling is oh, it's way ginormous. up. There. It's ginormous. Way up there. Uh, besides that, hey, uh, Rocket League's free. Get it on Epic Games. Comes with a free ten dollar coupon. You can link your old accounts. Bada boom, bada bing. Back where you were. Yeah, it's 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 kind of annoying like when I booted it up the first time once it swapped. It like wanted all my Epic account stuff, and I was like, "Oh god, like it's so annoying." It's just another yeah. thing Epic's taking over, right? And that's that's a whole separate debate on on anti monopoly and competition stuff in the in that industry. But you know, I mean, it's good that it's free now at least. And yep. but the focus for the game has always been on the microtransactions, which is fine because it's literally just a, a car game with skins for the cars, like. You know, it doesn't give you an edge. In fact, most of the pros run stock vehicles to keep the distractions mm -hmm. down to a minimum. Yep. Um, I know with the new Battle Pass, I'm trying, I'm trying to get away from Rocket League here, but there's there's a lot to talk about, especially with Rocket League. Um, with the new Battle Pass, you unlock items 
in the battle pass and you can also get like loot crates essentially but you can't just get random items from winning games anymore is what i was told and what i've experienced but there's no trading anymore either i don't think uh, there still is trading. I, it's, it's I actually not, did that over the weekend. Is it still like item trading? Because I I, I tried to. My buddy gave me items before, the like mm-hmm. they changed how it all worked with like blueprints and stuff. And then after that, like, I don't does does it still work the same way? Because we never were uh, able to get it to work. But maybe they changed it recently or something. So my buddy traded with me. Um, I think on Friday, and he gave me like a car and a few wheels and stuff like that. So. So it was definitely able to be traded. I know that you do need to spend like at least five or ten dollars on Rocket League in order to be able to trade, just to prevent scamming and bots okay. and stuff like that. that. That's probably why it wouldn't work for me. I'd never spend a dime on the game, so. Yeah, you probably need to spend. I think it's like five or ten. I just bought the battle pass, so it instantly let me trade. Um, but let's step away from Rocket League here. Let's move on. We got a lot to talk about, including our guests. Can't wait for that, but. Hey, Among Us 2 got canceled. What's with that? Yeah, that's uh, that's some pretty crazy news. But, I mean, really, their game just kind of blew up, right? So now they're like, well, we don't want to segregate our player base between 1 and 2. So mm-hmm. we're just going to put all of our ideas from 2 straight into 1. I, it's a, like a no-brainer, really. So uh, they said that <clears throat> a month after its announcement, a sequel to the suddenly huge multiplayer space mystery Among Us game has been canceled. As far as cancellations go, it's a relatively welcome one. Most people are, are definitely in favor of this cancellation. Studio Innersloth has opted to keep working on and fixing their original game. In its announcement, Innersloth writes that while the Among Us code base is unwieldy and uh, antiquated, yeah, it makes sense to continue work on, its given, on it given its sudden popularity. Of course, that means a lot of work adapting it for a player base much larger than the studio ever expected. And this is a quote, We have decided to cancel Among Us 2 and instead put all of our focus into improving Among Us 1, the post reads. All of the content we had planned for Among Us 2 will instead go into Among Us 1. So, yeah, big news. It's nice that now that you've bought Among Us 1, you don't have to worry about buying the next one or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely a lot of fixes they need to make. And <clears throat> it's it's quite funny that their game was like, literally, they are like, oh. Among Us One's pretty much dead, boys. Let's we'll get working on Among Us Two now. And now everyone's like, Among Us One is the best game we've ever seen, and it's crazy. (laughs) There's a lot of bugs. Uh, Some of them game breaking. Like uh, for example, some of the characters sometimes get the same color in a game, which can make it really hard to tell what's going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, The servers are a complete cluster. Uh, They're just destroyed half the time. Uh, We was trying to play a few days ago now. And with a couple of buddies and North America and Europe, you actually couldn't make it a game and get people in. It just was dead. But when we swapped to Asia for our server region, it was great. Everyone could get in like it was nothing, like a joke. Yeah, uh, yeah and we were all playing on 300 plus ping, which sucked. But it's better than not playing the game at all, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played my fair share of on, on the Asia ser- servers. Um, got lucky a few times with North America and such, but... Um, most of the time, I feel like I'm playing on Europe or Asia. Um, I'm kind of a little burnt out on Among Us, so it's good to hear that there's more updates coming for it because yeah. it'll make me want to play the game again once those come out. Uh, it'll probably still be a while away, but hey, Among Us is a good game. It's a good party game. You might hate some of your friends after you're done playing it, but it's a fun time. It, it's 
you definitely need friends because solo play with like randoms and oh, yeah. public queue unplayable you're wasting your time if you, if people don't get imposter they quit so there's like hardly any crewmates in the majority of the games mm. so straight off the bat like your game's pretty much dead so now you're quitting looking for another lobby like you're just better off going into their discord or whatever and just finding people to play with even a set team of random people is way better than a random team of random people you know what i mean so oh yeah i agree with you 100 percent. i never just like did matchmaking and I, I never will i only did it for three games and they were all very quick and if a crewmate died instead of doing their tasks while dead they'd quit so it was impossible for crewmates to win via task because yeah. you, you just could never do them in time. It, it's just horrible by yourself. So Among Us 2 being cancelled. Looking forward to more Among Us 1 updates. And, I mean, hey. Game's still booming. It's still doing great. It, it kind of top streamers playing it. It kind of shows how important marketing is these days now. For Among Us, not even, like, objectively speaking unpolished decent gameplay but needs a lot of work but because mm -hmm. one big streamer played it one day the game blew up and this is similar exactly. with fall guys because fall guys had a really good twitter person handling the account and they got streamers to play it and man one streamer playing it is better than 10 million ads on youtube videos yeah like it, it, it blew up like crazy and, and fall guys is objectively a, a pretty decent game you know fun to play and stuff mm -hmm. but it's definitely you know not like you wouldn't look at that and be like, oh, yeah, this game will blow up. This will be huge. You'd just be like, oh, yeah, you know, pretty good concept. We'll see how it does. But because they had the right marketing and the right people play it, it just blew up. Like, most popular game in the world probably right now. Definitely two weeks ago, I, I'd, I'd argue that. Among Us might be a little more popular now. But mm -hmm. uh, I don't think Fall Guys is it definitely isn't falling <clears throat> off the radar, you know, falling off, so to say. But uh, it it's yeah. not nearly as much number one in the news like it was a month ago or two weeks ago, even. Fall Guys isn't going to pick back up until season two, which is in a couple of weeks, I think. Um, but I, I got so bored of Fall Guys after the first week or two just because I'm just doing the same same many games over and over. They, they, they did update it to make some of them harder and include random things, but hey, uh, Fall Guys is the same thing. I mean, there's little variation every time you play, and I mean, Season 2 is going to bring a lot more changes in maps, so I, I'm excited to get back into the game once Season 2 comes out. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely, like, I, I've never played it personally, but I, I've watched a fair bit of gameplay, and it definitely looks like once you've done it a few times, it's like, oh, same map. I'll go the I, same route because I know this is the safest way to go. And, you know, you don't want to throw, so why would you go a stupider route? You yeah. Know? Hey, I mean, Among Us 2, and, or not Among Us 2, Among Us 1 and Fall Guys were basically streamer... Uh, well, what's the word? Streamer bait uh, is the kind of word that streamer, I think. Streamer bait. I guess that is a good way to put it. Uh, it just goes to show how much Twitch streamers can influence people to buy and play games, and it works very well. It's crazy, especially when um, games are entertaining, such as Among Us and Fall Guys. But hey, Xbox is finally releasing their remote play app for yeah. iOS, huh? Yeah, that's it's it's going to be huge with that app, to be honest. I've used the PlayStation one and they've had one for a while and 
for someone who streams, like it's mm-hmm. awesome because I can take my PlayStation and put it on my PC, so I don't need a capture card anymore. There's almost no latency because it's still on your local area network, right? So when when you're playing, you just plug in your controller to your PC and stream the game to your computer. And and yeah. what I've even done is because the game stream isn't identical quality, I'll switch my monitor's input to the actual PS4. But I'll keep my, you know, obviously the capture and stuff running on on the PC. So I'm playing at native resolution, whereas the stream is just obviously the lower quality that it's going to be through their software. But that doesn't matter because, you know, normally you're not streaming at the same resolution the game is anyways. Most most people who stream, you know, especially console-based games, uh, the majority is 720p. So even though my capture isn't nearly as high quality as the actual game, it doesn't really matter. I just swap my monitor input and I'm good to go. And you That's could, a good point. You could likely do the same thing here with this. So uh, we have in our notes here that Microsoft is about to release a big Xbox app update for iOS that includes the ability to stream Xbox One games to an iPhone. A new Xbox app will arrive in the App Store soon, uh, no date yet, I don't believe, uh, that includes a remote play feature, which lets Xbox One console owners stream their games to an iPhone. Remote play is different to Microsoft's xCloud service, which streams games directly from the servers instead of your own console. This Xbox remote play feature will connect to your Xbox to your own Xbox console and not to the xCloud. So xCloud is a completely separate thing. It's similar to Sony's own PS4 remote play feature that's also available on Android and iOS. You'll be able to access your Xbox console over your Wi-Fi connection or even LTE or 5G connection. As this app takes control of your home Xbox, you can remotely start your console outside of the house. The Xbox will start up without a sound or the Xbox light at the front. So completely stealth. You don't even see it turn on. And when, you, cool. and when you disconnect, it goes back into the standby after a brief period of inactivity. Uh, a new Xbox Act app sorry, arrived on Android recently, and this updated iPhone version includes the same new design and new features. You can quickly download or share game clips and screenshots captured on Xbox One or Xbox Series X slash S console, and you can even manage console space and delete games. So it seems like you get nearly full power through your phone remotely whether you're yeah. at whether you're in another room or you're at the office at work or something you, you can do anything you want which is re- a really welcome change because it gives you more power and people really like you know i'll just go do whatever with my console now oh, i want to download this game let me just go into my xbox and buy it now i download it now it'll be done when i get home uh, i'm actually excited to try that out I, I haven't even tried out the ps4 remote play but i'm I'm very interested now, to say the least, because I'd love to, you know, before bed or something, just lay in my bed and play like Ghost of Tsushima on my phone. I even have like a special connector that hooks up to the controller. So my phone rests on top. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I, back in the day, I played like Call of Duty Mobile with the controller. You and, were uh, sweating like crazy on kids, oh, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, I, don't, I don't know where it is. The 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 meta was to boot up Xbox on or not Xbox to boot up COD Mobile on BlueStacks on your PC mm-hmm. and then yep. uh, unfortunately they did kind of make it so mouse and keyboard didn't really work right but that's okay so BlueStacks can kind of make it work right if you do um like the right customization features and stuff I think that that's like hard cheese for like sweating on kids on mobile because because you, you'll win every game really. I remember when PUBG Mobile first came out, I ended up downloading it on BlueStacks, and we were going on, like, 30 kill streaks and oh just winning God. every match because not a lot of people were using a PC to play PUBG Mobile. So we were literally just destroying the competition. It, it, it's 
Yeah, it. I would consider it a form of cheating, really. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, I, I would too. <laughs> you know, it's fun to stomp kids, you know, people that are playing on their phone, right? So I, I get why people do it. <laughs> it. It's, you know, similar to the skill-based matchmaking argument in a way, right? But hey, speaking about cloud services and this whole um, Xbox app where you can play on your phone and such, Amazon actually just announced a new cloud gaming service called Luna. Um, this has been, it kind of is like, uh, Stadia, like Google Stadia and the X cloud. Uh, but this has been rumored since last year was codenamed Tempo. Uh, it's going to be initially available for PC, Mac, Fire TV, iPhone, and iPad. So if you're just on your iPhone or whatever, you download an application for it, uh, with an Android version planned after launch. So um, Amazon's new cloud gaming service, it's going to be in early access. And while it's in early access, it's only going to be $5.99 a month. And you don't need the controller to play as for what I'm seeing right now, but you could buy the Luna controller, which is Alexa enabled, of course, for $49.99 during the early access period. I, um, so it says here more than 100 games available via the Luna Plus channel. Uh, so you got some good games here. Control, Resident Evil 7, uh, Panzer Dragoon, never heard of that one. A Plague Tale, Innocence, The Surge 2. Uh, what else we got Doesn't here? Doesn't look like multiplayer games, which is a good uh, thing because... Grid, that's a good game. I don't know how... I mean, the latency and such when you're playing multiplayer games, it seems like it's an issue. So, I mean, hey, single-player games are probably the way to go, and... It's definitely going to be worth checking out. It, it has gotten a lot better. Uh, like Stadia, for example, has gotten a lot better since launch. Uh, a big, a big issue with them was they just their marketing was deceptive, uh, saying that like there's like no latency, and and they even used the term negative latency, which doesn't make any sense. Uh, it, it literally doesn't make any sense at all. So, you know, when you're trying to, you know, people that are smart with tech stuff, they're not going to see that and just take your word for it. They're going to be like, that's a bold-faced lie to all the consumers and then people make a bunch of articles and podcasts like we're doing and we're like yeah this thing sucks because they're lying to us even if it comes out and it's great it's still not what they said it will be because it's impossible for it to ever be what they said it'll be yeah so, it, it's better now but everyone has the bad taste in their mouth people hear stadia and they're like oh yeah stadia that thing failed right Ooh, stadia. yeah exactly <laughs> I actually tried PUBG on Stadia because my one friend was playing on it. And he's like, yo, try it out. It's free. You get a free trial, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not going to lie. There was some latency for sure. But overall, I was able to play the game. I was able to enjoy it. And I had a positive experience, to say the least. I think people that have fiber optic connections to their home, like high-speed internet for sure, are definitely going to have a better time. You're just going to have less latency overall with a fiber connection than if you'd had coax or especially DSL. But yeah, it's the kind of thing where you already need to have a pretty good internet connection to even have a, a chance to have an enjoyable experience. Yeah. So there'll be select titles in 4K and 60 FPS. And uh, they're go they're actually um, partnering with Ubisoft for a specific gaming channel on there that you can play some Ubisoft games. So, so these channels, I don't, I don't know, maybe you know a little more about it. But how, how does that work? Is it like you almost like go to a remote and you're like, well, channel one is the Ubisoft channel. I'll play my <laughs> Ubisoft games, and channel two is this. 
Yeah, so I think it's basically the channels are like gaming categories per se. Okay. So, I mean, Ubisoft will definitely be its own unique one, but uh, you go to the Ubisoft channel and then you have those to choose from. It'd be funny if it was like, oh, from uh, 5 to 6 p.m., we're actually running uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, so you can play that. But mm-hmm. at 6 o'clock, we got uh, Watch Dogs Legion. And it's just like, oh, okay, so I get to play this game for an hour and switch to the next one. That would be horrible. <laughs> but that'd be funny, though. Be. It would actually be hilarious if they did it that way. Like, there's scheduled programming for what games you can play at what time. Um, so they're also going to have a Twitch integration. Uh, I'm not, they didn't provide too many details on the Twitch integration, but it seems like you may be able to um, stream from uh, Luna. Okay. If I'm, either that or, like, I don't know. I don't know how else you can do it. <laughs> Watch yeah. streams or, or stream from Luna. Uh, like I said, there wasn't too much information, but as always, um, Luna's going to be powered by the AWS, which, I mean, can't go wrong there. Yeah. Amazon Web Services. I, I more think, powerful than anything else. I think when I think of this stuff, like they're almost more experiments into ways that we can stream live content into people's homes and gaming is a good way to test this but Mm -hmm. i don't think it'll always just be gaming right like they're definitely in the future could be changes where they stream different things to the home and this is a good way to perfect a low latency system that allows this to be smoother and and you know companies do this all the time right you know we'll charge a really low amount for our, our product that we're doing and you know this has probably cost them hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to develop like, like everything does you know in research and development and the employees and stuff you know this yeah. stuff's not cheap like it, it's like nvidia for example spends over a billion dollars on research and development every year like that that's nothing to scoff at well, that's, a, mm. that's a billion dollars you know and and so when they when they test these new products out it's always always at a loss like amazon won't make any money off this not at 4.99 or 5.99 or whatever it was a month for every person because keep in mind there's not going to be that many people on it at the start for sure so yeah. they're not going to make the money back anytime soon if ever really it's more just an investment in a way that they can well google's doing it so now we have to do it right because we have to stay competitive with them you know, and even if it brings if it brings their market share up and their stock prices go up because of this announcement, that's a win for them right there. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's a business practice, right? And you got to perfect this stuff and you got to get this technology out. Even if it, like Stadia, for example, even if it does kind of suck, you know, it won't suck forever. And eventually, if you make it good enough, people' opinions will change. But it yep, takes a long exactly. time. So I always had like a sour taste in my in my head for cloud-based streaming services for video games and i mean it is such an interesting idea and the fact that it's working is insane just because the ease of access the accessibility it's just wild you you want to play PUBG on stadia you literally click PUBG, boom you're in the game you never had to download anything and you're playing yeah and it's just like the ease of access is unreal I understand why people enjoy it. It's just at the same time, I'd rather 
purchase games on my own and yeah i'd rather own my games and 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 have them locally on my machine because you know let's say worst case stadia shuts down um Mm -hmm. and all those games i was playing they're just gone now like i I can't get those anymore so now so now you just spend all that money on a stadia subscription or you know whatever luna or whatever you want you're using now it's like oh man that money's kind of gone now like you know i could have probably saved money progress if i had to just like purchase it on my computer or if i had even just built a computer like you know gaming now especially when nvidia launches these newer lower end gpus like 3050 3060 etc it's gonna be so accessible for anyone to make a decent gaming pc for cheap like yep. we're talking under a grand you know even console prices like 500 600 dollars you're it's gonna be pretty cheap to get a pretty powerful system man I'm excited to see what Luna brings to the table, and I want to see what people are saying about it after they play. Yeah. I, I know specifically you and I aren't ever probably going to touch Luna, but I'll I'm see videos to, on it though. I'm excited to see what people say about it, to yeah. say the least. For sure. Did you want to get into the Xbox uh, Series X and Series S storage and stuff? A bit more news uh, came out about that. We could discuss yeah. That so now. we we could we could talk about it briefly, and then we'll have our guest uh, on the show. Um, but I did see that the uh, confirmed external storage of Xbox Series X and S is $220. It, it, it's a ton of money, but, you know, people are looking, you know, similar. Uh, one terabyte PCIe Gen 4 SSDs, you know, NVMe stuff are around, you know, 200, like 180 mm-hmm. to 220 range. And and if you go for, like, the ultra high end, you can get up to 300 plus pretty quick. It, it is, like like we said before, right, where if you're buying, especially the Series S, you have such little storage to begin with that you're almost forced into buying that expansion. And I don't think the price really is unreasonable. I just think that it's pointless to purchase it if you're on a tight budget. Because at that point... Just get the Series X. Yeah, I agree with you. Anyway, so we have a bit of information here to to put it in more detail as to why it costs so much. So the Xbox Series X and Series S are both capable of loading game worlds almost instantaneously, delivering seamless gameplay that won't leave you waiting for minutes on a loading screen as new areas generate. Very, very critical. That advantage compared to the Xbox One is largely because of the new Xbox storage device, which is a custom NVMe SSD rather than the hard drives used previously. When they say custom... It's similar to, to Sony's thing where it's custom firmware. So okay. the, I, I believe these are Seagate SSDs, maybe on the Xbox side. I'm not too sure Sony. But, uh, yeah, that's what they mean when they say custom. It's firmware that Microsoft has written for their own solid-state drives. And, and I think they're teamed up with Seagate. Not too sure on, on who Sony's teamed up with. I, I'd have to look into that some more. Or maybe there's just no info. But that, that's what they mean when they say custom. Like, their developers have written firmware to specifically maximize performance inside their console and that's why sony is correct when they say it's the world's fastest ssd because in their use case for games it is the world's fastest ssd because of how they've programmed it so anyways uh rather than the hard drives that you used previously in the other consoles which, which are very slow it's one of the biggest game changers going into the next generation if you're wondering how all of it works well we'll break it down for you quickly here so regardless okay. of whether you get the Xbox Series X or the Series S, your console will come with a custom non-volatile memory host express solid state drive, or NVMe SSD for short. It's small, loads incredibly quick, and because it's an SSD rather than a hard drive, there's no moving parts. 
However, hard drives aren't fast enough to actually run Xbox X and S games, so you'll need to migrate them to your internal storage or the official expansion card before they can be played. So you can plug in a hard drive, but you can't play any games off it. You can just store them there. So anytime okay. you want to play, you got to swap them. <clears throat> Xbox Series X and S games on the card can be played without needing to move them to the system's internal storage, if, if you have their proprietary one. The expansion card is designed to run these games at no performance differences compared to the internal drive. So whether it's inside the Xbox or outside, as long as it's official Xbox proprietary SSDs, play them on anything, performance is the same. That, it's 220 bucks, and it's only a terabyte. Price is I, high. I was looking into that, and it's like, hey, if you want to pay for the latest Samsung NVMe one terabyte, they're actually in between like 180 to $240, even for like the brand new um the newest fastest Samsung uh NVMe that's currently out. Samsung is uh a good example if you're trying to make Xbox look better because Samsung SSDs are very high quality, but they're also quite expensive and and they do charge mm-hmm. for their name brand. You can get cheaper SSDs that are NVMe Gen 4. Obviously their performance is not nearly as much as these custom firmware ones, but you know, for your PC, they're still they're still very fast. It, unless yeah. unless your use case is constantly moving data and reading data, like you know, booting up Windows. Oh yeah, I shaved an extra second on my three hundred dollar more expensive SSD. Big deal, dude. Like, come on now. But yeah, yeah for 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 what they are, I, the price is fair. It's just I don't think you'll want to buy it. <laughs> that, that's that's the point I'm getting at. I don't think they're charging too much. But I think it's almost a waste to force yourself into buying it eventually, right? I, I definitely think that the price is 100% fair, um, like you said. And, I mean, every everything you said makes sense right there. Because you're not going to want to buy an Xbox Series S, save money, and, hey, I only spent $300 for this thing, and then run out of space and have to go throw some extra money at, a, at an external one terabyte. So, I understand... I understand both sides. I, I know people are angry about it. And I mean, Xbox is giving good reasoning as to why it's the price it is and why you may or may not need it. Personally, I think if their method of swapping from internal to external is quick, I think spending the money on a four terabyte hard drive, which is quite large and relatively cheap, especially compared to an NVMe SSD, will give you more than enough space for likely the entire generation. And as long as you can just swap to the game you want to play, I don't see why you wouldn't just do that. That's a good point. It's it's something that you can easily do. Um, I I was wondering that myself. I was actually talking to a couple friends, and I I was saying, I wonder how easy it's going to be to be able to swap games um, off of their hard drive onto your externals. And... The Xbox One X does, or just Xbox One in general, give you the options to move games to different storages, and it's pretty seamless. It takes a little bit of time because you know, I mean, you're copying over and such, but it doesn't seem like it's that big of an issue. Just make sure you don't unplug anything while you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably you'll probably corrupt the files for sure if if power goes out while you're transferring, but. I mean, that's yep. true of anything, right? You couldn't blame Microsoft for that. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I mean, that being said, that's the end of the gaming section. Our next section is esports, where we're going to bring our guest Ethan on. And hey, 
we got a action-packed show for you. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> we're we're going to be hopping on to a quick break right now, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Yeah, for sure. Hey, everybody. We're back on the guest podcast where we talk about gaming, esports, streaming, and tech. Uh, this is our esports section right here, and we have a special guest, the founder and COO of Pride. His name's Ethan. And let's get to know him and Pride a little bit more. So, Ethan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, how are you guys doing? I hope you guys are doing good today. Um, obviously, as I said, uh, my name is Ethan. I'm from Iowa. I'm currently in college. I'm in my senior year, just about getting ready to wrap up and move on with that chapter of my life. But, you know, I'm an avid gamer. I've been playing games since I could hold a controller. Uh, got into esports. Uh, through Call of Duty, probably around back in Black Ops 2. So I've been a big fan of esports and a competitor in esports for a really long time and kind of moved on from my competing days. And now I'm into running an, an organization. Yeah. Um, what do you study in college, by the way? Um, I am an elementary education major, so I'm studying to be a teacher. Okay, okay. cool. Awesome. awesome. Um, what are some of the games that you play now? And for the competitive aspect, uh, what were you competing in? So competitively, I competed in Call of Duty from Advanced Warfare up until the end of Black Ops 4. So I kind of hung up the sticks, so to speak, after Black Ops 4. MW just really was not my game. I did not enjoy it very much. Um, as for now, I play a lot of Apex Legends right now. It's probably my main game. I really enjoy it. I honestly think it's probably the game I've been the best at ever. Awesome. Awesome. I I'd definitely like to see you play Apex one time. Um do you stream often or? Um, I don't stream often. My schedule this semester is really hectic along with classes and work and field experiences being at my last year before I student teach. So it's really, really hectic. I'm trying to get back into a semi rhythm and start streaming again. I just got to find time where I can put it in at. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, hey, as a founder and COO for Pride, I need to ask you this. What were your reasonings for creating and finding this organization? Um, that's a that's a good question. So originally me and Meyer were a part of another organization and I had owned organizations previous to that. And when me and Meyer decided to leave the organization that we were both in together previously, we weren't quite sure what we wanted to do. We know we wanted to own an organization. We weren't sure the direction we wanted to take, but we knew we wanted it to be different than the ones we've been a part of. Those were mainly focused on like esports, and they just didn't have the right branding. So the first thing that me and him did was we really nailed down our branding and stuff and wanted to build a community around content and the personalities rather than just focusing on esports and dumping every single aspect into esports. We wanted a well-rounded product instead of one end. Okay. And I noticed definitely that the community for Pride is absolutely amazing. I haven't seen many organizations that are so community oriented besides Pride. And it's just it's just insane to see on Twitter. And I mean, hey, everywhere everywhere I look, there's Pride, YouTube, TikTok, streaming. It's 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 a beautiful thing. Uh so the name Pride, where where did that originate from? So DJ and I, when we were shopping for our branding, we were looking at logos on a site. It's called like premade.co. We were just kind of looking around like bored one day. Just like, hey, let's look. I know this site. I actually bought a logo from there from before from a previous organization. And I was like, let's just look on there and see what we find. And we're scrolling through and we found our original logo, the first ever Pride logo, which was not being used anymore. And we're looking at it like, this is actually really cool. We really like this. How, what should we like? What can we build a name around? Like, what can we name this that will be you know, kind of short and catchy and not have like, 
you know, esports at the end of it or gaming. We wanted something just super short that could be turned into not just a gaming brand, but a lifestyle brand with clothing and stuff. So you don't look at it walking down the stream like, oh, that's gaming. You can look at it and say, oh, that's pride. I wonder what that means. So we did end up coming up with pride because of the lion aspect of the logo. And I thought I would be quirky. And instead of doing normal, like a lion pride, I threw a Y in there because I thought it looked cool. And I Googled it and found out that it was actually an obsolete spelling of the word pride. Like it was, so it was a real word at one point. It's just not used as much anymore. I was like, all right, screw it. We're going to go with that. That's cool. I mean, definitely the lion pride. I mean, it sticks well. I love the logo design. It's very simple. Um, and like you said, it's it could be very much a lifestyle, like merchandising aspect mm-hmm. of this where, I mean, you can wear it wherever you want and people won't have, like, they won't know exactly that it, this is just for gaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so from you, uh, basically getting the idea of founding Pride and making the logo and everything, how long did that take you? Um, let's see. And DJ, DJ and I, Meyer, um, I just know him as DJ. Uh, we left our organization, I want to say, November of 2019, somewhere around in there. <laughs> and it took us probably about a month to get everything purchased and set up for our brand and bring in our leads and our content creators that we wanted to launch with and everything. So that probably, that process started early December, and then we officially launched January 10th of this year. So around a month, two months to get everything set up. Awesome. That's definitely, it doesn't, doesn't seem like a long time, but I mean, Hey, if you're, if you're working a lot, trying to get the organization yeah. up and going, then yeah, during a couple hours a night, right? So yeah, during that month, two months when we were building up to launch and we were down to like the last two weeks before our set launch, it seemed like time was just dragging. I was so excited to get everything launched out. Yeah. Hey, you're doing well. I mean, I can't, I, I can't believe how, big pride is just because like i said i'm seeing it everywhere now i mean mm-hmm. given given i'm following a lot of pride members and such but but i i'm a huge fan and i just discovered pride probably two months ago two mm-hmm. three months ago so i'm a i'm a late bloomer to the the pride organization but i i gotta say i'm a huge fan i can't wait for that flag to come in uh so do you have any like uh short-term long-term goals for pride or um, I guess, do you have any immediate goals that you want to attain? Um, short term, we just want to continue to grow our brand and really establish ourselves in the esports scene right now. That's my main focus in the organization. I feel like we've done an extremely good job of establishing ourselves in the content side of the community and building up our community. And now really it's up to me and our head of esports, Frizzy, uh, to really hammer home our esports and make us a well-rounded team. Uh, Long term, we really... Eventually, we want to be known as one of the top orgs, a tier one org up there with like the likes of 100 Thieves, CLG, TSM. We want to yeah. eventually be up in those guys' uh, league. That being said, you said uh, Frizzy with the esports section. Do you plan on making a team for uh, Cold War? Um, it's something that I'm. we are seriously considering. Um, we had the team at the end of MW that competed in the Call of Duty Amateur Champ- World Championships world in terms of it was just na this is online because covid yeah but we did have a team at the am championships and um, coming from call of duty myself i always have a soft spot in my heart for the community and the scene and i'd always like to have a team in there it really just comes down to if we find the right team that we think can compete and win 
I gotta say, I've probably been playing Call of Duty since, I mean, the early days before there was a Call of Duty 2 even. But uh, I started playing game battles for Call of Duty 4. And since then, I've been on my own kind of competing. I, I haven't really been in many tournaments or anything for Call of Duty, but uh, even for like Blackout of Black Ops 4, I was doing kill races and such uh, with another buddy of mine. Um, that being said, do you plan on playing uh, Cold War and even go as far as any type of competing with it? We'll see. I've, I've uh, taken many breaks from Call of Duty competing and said, this is it, I'm done, and then it just kind of drags me back in. MW yeah. wasn't the game to do that. It just wasn't my game. Cold War, I didn't play the alpha. I was not home that weekend, so I didn't really get a chance to feel the game out, but I will, I will probably buy it and try it out, and we'll see where it goes, but I'm really busy, so I doubt I'll have the time to fully <laughs> get back into competing. Maybe I'll play some for fun tournaments every once in a while with some old friends. I got to say, I played the Call of Duty Alpha, and I heavily enjoyed it, especially it, when I plugged in the keyboard and mouse into my PlayStation. It was <laughs> it was a whole new world. I, I'm, I'm so used to playing on keyboard and mouse now ever since I switched over to PC gaming, mm -hmm. and I have most of Modern Warfare I just played on keyboard and mouse. So switching back over to controller it feels brand new to me. I don't know what I'm doing, and I feel like... I've, I've never played a shooter with a controller before. <laughs> I guess I feel pretty lucky in that aspect. I'm pretty ambidextrous. I think I said that right. Yeah, Amb or ambidextrous when I go back. I can swap between controller and mouse and keyboard fairly easily. Like I play Apex on controller, and then I can swap back to mouse and keyboard and drop 30 kills in Valorant just like that. <laughs> it's, a pretty, it's pretty nice to be able to swap back and forth so easily and not have to have like a little adjustment period. Absolutely. One game that I feel like I'll always do better uh, with controller over keyboard and mouse is the Halo franchise. Um, especially when like Halo 2 recently came to the PC. I was playing keyboard and mouse and I was like, this just doesn't feel right. I plugged in a controller and I'm get dropping like 30 kills every game. I was like, okay, here we go. We're yeah. back. <laughs> um, so let's move forward in this interview here. Um, has Pride's initial goal and idea shifted over time? I don't, I feel like I can almost answer this for you by saying like you're very community based and it still seems like it very much is so. Yeah, our really, our initial goal was to build a, you know, a really strong supportive community where even if you aren't technically in Pride, you still feel like you're a part of the family. And mm -hmm. I feel like we've really done a good job of that. And we just want to continue to do that and take it from, you know, I'd say a relatively mid-sized scale that we're at now and just take it big. And do yep. something that those big organizations don't do, which is really make it feel like the whole community is involved with the team. Definitely um, having the community involved more than, I guess, the players slash um, members of Pride. It It's honestly a big impact and very noticeable. But since Pride's obviously growing, did you expect it to be where it is at this point in time? No, honestly, I didn't. When we first launched our launch day, I was really nervous because we talked like, oh, maybe we'll get 100 followers, maybe we'll, something like that. We were, we're, I personally wasn't really expecting much. And mm -hmm. uh, our launch night, we gained about 600 followers. And now eight months wow. in, we're at almost 3.6 thousand. And it's just, it blows my mind every day. Like, I look, I wake up every morning and, you know, I check, I go through notifications on the Pride Twitter and I look at the number of followers we have. And I'm just like, I, I still just can't believe that we have that big of a following already, and it's only been eight months. Eight months. That that it's amazing. Eight months and over three thousand followers. And mm -hmm. 
just going to keep growing. I'd like to see where you guys are in a year or two. Yeah, me too. I'm really interested to see where we are at the year mark and the two-year mark. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what's your favorite part about Pride? Oh, that's tough. There's so many different great parts. We have just such a great, solid roster of streamers, content creators, designers, editors, management, executives. Everybody is just so amazing. I think probably my favorite part would have to be just the relationships we built within the team and the community. I've met so many amazing new people, so many talented people, and made a lot of new friends that I would have never met if I wouldn't if it wouldn't have been for me and DJ deciding to go on this crazy journey. It's definitely a crazy journey. <laughs> uh, is is there anything that you can uh, that you would redo um, if you were back in the beginning forming Pride? Is there anything that you would do differently now that you think about it? Um, nothing major. I feel like we did everything pretty much how we wanted to and did it pretty good. Obviously, maybe along the way there were some people that didn't quite fit in with our brand, weren't quite part of the family aspect that we wanted to. That unfortunately they did have to part ways and it's nothing bad about them they just didn't quite fit in with us that maybe if we didn't pick them up it would have ended a little differently but again we're thankful for everybody that's been a part of pride and helped shape us in the direction that we're going now so nothing really major that we would have changed no awesome that's good to hear um so esports side of things uh Mm -hmm. what teams does pride have and what games um right now our main esport is CSGO. That's really about all we're in right now. Other esports are kind of at a standstill. Call of Duty is in their off season. Apex is in a really weird point right now. The meta is just super messed up, and the competitive scene is kind mm-hmm. of suffering from that. Yep. Um, Valorant's still extremely new. Uh, the scene's still kind of growing. There hasn't been a lot of support from Riot. There's been a lot of things uh, from like you know smaller, bigger organizations, but we haven't quite seen how Riot's going to instill the community the competitive scene in that game yet. So we're kind of waiting to see how that develops. Um, we did have a team in Halo for the Halo 3 throw, um, throwback tournaments, uh, which went really well. We ended up being a, probably a top two team in the game for the entire tournament, oh, wow. for the entire all four tournaments. And fortunately, you know, that's over now. So we're kind of waiting to see what happens with Infinite. That got pushed back. So we kind of have our eyes on a lot of different things like Rainbow Six and games like that. I have our eyes on it, some fingers in the water, some talking to some people but right now csgo is our main esport and we're we're really focused on so so something you might know or might not know about me and giga is we are in an organization currently right now called the mystic alliance and uh so i'm the head of the valorant team and giga's the head of the rainbow six siege team so i mean we've definitely seen things as they are for the esports side and especially with valorant like being so brand new i feel like you're basically just trying to hop in community tournaments right now mm-hmm. and uh, like website tournaments to see what you can get your hands on and practice that way. Um, and it could be, I mean, it could definitely be a source of revenue, even if you're hopping in these community tournaments and your team's doing well. At one point, uh, the Valorant team that I was leading did win one community tournament and they ended up taking home some money. So that, that was an amazing feeling to say the yeah. least yeah getting a nice win and i know giga what your rainbow six siege team is in a what is it xbox ladder yeah there's a bunch of different leagues they're in the majority of the stuff for console is mostly community based the, the pro league sides on pc which kind of sucks but i mean at the same time you can still make some decent money with these community tournaments like you know 15 20 entry fees you know winner takes home 500 bucks a thousand sometimes so I mean, it's pretty good money if, if you're good and 
you know, there's a lot of competition out there, actually, for Xbox especially, it seems. So, yeah, you know, you got a good team. You can win a lot of games and have a lot of fun. You wouldn't think that, like, uh, like the Xbox scene is big for, like, Rainbow Six, but apparently it really is. <laughs> yeah, cheating with mouse and keyboard on it's probably the biggest issue, unfortunately, for console mm-hmm. gaming. I could see that. I guess that's one thing that Call of Duty did well was they made sure in the lobby before you even search for a game, you picked controller or keyboard and you weren't allowed to go back and change that until you went back to the lobby. Um, but moving forward here, um, I did want to ask you, is Pride uh, affiliated slash sponsored with any brands or other organizations? Um, I guess really for affiliations right now, it's just our apparel provider new. Um, super excited to be working with those guys. They have yep. a they have a really big selection of teams on their site. Not so much big as in quantity, but size. Like they work with a few LCS teams and Elevate, another big organization. So we're really excited to be working with them. Um, as for other like sponsors or stuff, we uh, we have talked to some companies and we're talking to some companies and hopefully we can find you know a company or two that really fits with what we are as an organization and, and whatnot. Yeah, I gotcha. Um... So moving away a little bit from pride here, just for a moment, um, when you're not studying or working or doing anything with pride, uh, what are some things that you like to do in your free time? Um, anytime I'm not gaming, studying, working, or doing something with pride, you'll find me on the golf course. Uh, I play, I play golf for my college. Um, so I've been playing competitive golf since I was 12, 12 or 13. So I've been playing for a really long time and now I'm in my, uh, senior season I'm in my last year of playing you know competitive golf I might play some tournaments after I graduate just you know for fun in my state but otherwise I plan on pretty much hanging up the competitive sticks and really just uh you know playing like men's league out of my course and taking all those old guys money out on the course (laughs) (laughs) funny you're saying that because uh for the first time ever I went golfing uh probably about a month ago Mm -hmm. and it was an amazing time I can't wait to get back out there. I mean, it's it's coming towards the end of the season where mm-hmm. I live in Pennsylvania, where it's kind of going to be impossible soon uh, until summer hits again. But um, I suck. I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I went to uh, I went to a driving range the day before my first day golfing, and just tried to get down being able to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. And um, by the end, I mean, I was I was hitting them. They weren't going far or anything, but <laughs> I was hitting them. They're leaving the and team. And then uh, the next day, we went in the morning and did like the full eighteen holes. And thankfully, it was a team based thing where there was four other people on my team, and we were just playing mm-hmm. best ball because I had. I'm not going to lie. There was probably two to three good shots I had that we played the ball, and they're like, "Let's go!" Like I felt amazing. Yeah, hitting these shots. And then uh, besides that, I can't drive for shit. I every single time it goes ninety degrees the other way or hits mm-hmm. off a tree somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can like I've been playing golf for about ten or eleven years now, and I just now figured out how to hit my driver dead straight every time. So it's it's a very tough game. It's a game of millimeters. Your swing is off um, by just barely anything, and your ball's going way out there. <laughs> yep. I, I guess one of the course that I played on was probably one of the harder courses too, because it was very wooded and mm-hmm. I feel like the 
what was it the green or whatever was very thin so it was just kind of it was kind of hard to work with mm-hmm. um but hey i i can't wait to get back out there and golf golfing is really fun i never played besides mini putt and <laughs> I'm, I'm actually okay at mini putt I, I can win most of the games against my friends but don't have a huge interest in actual golf and mm-hmm. and a membership at a course is pretty expensive here so yeah, yeah. it's kind of like a pretty big barrier to entry and i just don't have that much free time honestly after work and stuff to go and it is what it is but it's the life of a content creator (laughs) (laughs) um i guess we can finish it off here but where do you see yourself in five ten years from now five to ten years from now probably married to my wonderful girlfriend uh living in a place teaching for a few years uh Maybe a couple kids would be really nice. I'm really actually excited to be a dad in the future. It's something I've wanted to, to do for a really long time. But in terms of pride, uh, I say in five to ten years, we're going to be on top of the scene. We're going to be running these things. Hell yeah, I'm rooting for you 100% of the way. Um, besides that, I mean, hey, this is our interview with Ethan, the founder and COO for Pride. Is there anything else you want to include about Pride or anything else before we end this? Um, well, if you haven't, uh, drop us a follow on Twitter at GG pride, unfortunately, um, uh, <laughs> working on getting that change to just pride, but yeah, you know, drop us a follow, keep up with our amazing content creators and streamers, uh, esports matches, CSGO, all we have matches a couple times a week, usually streamed live on our Twitch, um, which is the exact same twitch.tv slash GG pride, same as our Twitter. And we have an amazing caster. He's uh, super high level. I'm surprised he doesn't do a lot bigger things to be honest. Uh, yeah, the matches are super, always super entertaining. Um, so, yeah, make sure you stop out by then. Just cheer the boys on and support the org. Cheer the boys sure. on. Go Pride. With that being said, thank you so much, Ethan, for coming to the guest podcast. Um, can't wait to talk to you more after this. Yeah, and, hey, one more thing. Just saying, Pride needs a podcast. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see. I think I think we have something cooking up in that department, actually. It might be. Awesome. Interesting. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Can't wait to see. Thank you guys for having me on. I really, really had a good time. Yeah, no problem, Bill. It was good meeting you. Yeah, nice to meet you. All right, so we're going to take a little break here, and then we're going to go on to the streaming and tech. But this was the esports section with, once again, Pride, COO, Ethan. Everybody, be back soon. So, welcome back. We just had a great time with our guest. And now we're going to hop straight into the streaming section of things. So uh, we're going to we're going to get through this right quick. Not not a huge amount of streaming news to get into here, but, you know, that's OK. You know, is what it is. So uh, some of you guys may have heard of uh, the tensions that are flaring now between XQC and Summit 1G during the Among Us stream that they had. Uh, so there, there's clips of it that, that you can find for sure. Uh, but uh, we, we have the quotes here that we'll we'll list off. So, uh, the playfully distrustful environment clearly seemed to spark something in several players in the stream on September 25th. Uh, PewDiePie, as well, got behind some of the roasting. XUC also slammed some huge streamers for their attitudes towards hate in their chat. I think it's finally time to talk about this, he says. You guys want to go full drama mode? I'll go full drama mode, he said, calling out those who say he can't control his chat. So, uh, people like Summit are, are accusing XUC of not being able to moderate his chat properly. Uh, he says, uh, XCC "This chat says, does get really intense. I just want to add that. Oh yeah, XQC's chat is like no other, and and they all do really. I mean, like think about it. 
Anyways, so XTC says, uh, what happens when I play with some of these guys or even the bigger YouTubers? Have you seen their comment section? Not only are people passive-aggressive and shitting on me, they're absolutely hardcore saying trash about me. He goes on to claim that the people that made those videos, including Toast, go and like the comments, even favorite them, and reply, bantering with them. How is this not as bad? They're the bigger YouTubers. They have millions of viewers. Millions. So yeah. I, I, I understand where XTC is coming from, right? Like, they, you know... And especially Among Us, which is a stressful game that is going to have a lot of, you know, people lying and stuff. And, you know, people are going to get mad when they get lied to and then they get tricked, right? So, but... So, uh, <clears throat> to put my two cents in, I'm not a huge fan of watching XQC stream Among Us um, specifically. Just because when he's streaming that game and he's playing with his group of people... He overpowers every single person in the chat and highly influences everybody else to basically sway the way he is. And I I, I understand, especially I'm, I know that G Fuel recently had a uh, Among Us group get together and there are a lot of big names in there such as Summit, XQC, PewDiePie, uh, Moist Critical, I can... Logic was even there. Yeah, there there are a few others. Uh, but it it's just hard when XQC is screaming into the microphone and not allowing anybody else to talk. And I mean his his chat. That's a whole nother story because his chat can be very toxic. They'll go into other people's streams, uh, whomst he's playing with, and create a ruckus in there as well and, and and you're right like that's what summit called him out here he says uh he says as the vote for the imposter is going through summit begins to get frustrated that xqc wasn't paying attention saying xqc your convincing skills are fucking awful i'm asking you and you still can't convince me just please listen and stop talking use <laughs> your fucking ears bro it's so fucking painful and then he wonders why no one votes for his fucking guy and to top all that off, Five Up took to the side to share with his viewers and his thoughts on the evidently polarizing XQC. And, and Five Up says, He's becoming so overbearing with the amount of power he thinks he has in the game of Among Us. Kind of like what you were saying. He explained that the entire lobby becomes a game where it's no longer 10 streamers coming together and having fun. It turns into him controlling the game. If he gets a call right, like accusing someone of being an imposter, he thinks he's a god. And if people get him out as the imposter... He calls them dog shit trash players who got lucky. That's not good sportsmanship, <laughs> and that's not the point of playing the game. Uh, all of the streamers took part, part on good terms, and that just the tension of the game boiled over somewhat. So I, I, I think they're okay, but they, they definitely, you know, whether it was on purpose or not, you know, sometimes these publicity stunts, you know, yeah. they're, they're staged. But, you know, it, he might have actually felt this way about XUC and or could have all been sage. I don't know. But regardless, yeah, they they ended the stream and and spoke and and they were on good terms after that. But who knows if that'll stay that way? But yeah, it's pretty good amount of drama. And and this is a, again bringing back to what we said earlier about Among Us being streamer bait, like literally huge amounts of like like that's millions of people watching right then and there, like XQC and other popular streamers all streaming the same game together at once. Mm -hmm. millions of people watching live and then you have the youtube videos which are going to get millions of video views too so i mean like man that's a lot of people watching that game right and that's a lot of people that are going to notice this drama that happened i mean enough that articles were made and written about it so 
That's why that's why I'm burnt out on Among Us because with all the streamers, the YouTube videos, me playing it myself, like I can't look at the game anymore. It's just it's crazy. Can't get away from it. Can't get away from it. And let me. Uh, this is going to be a live check right now. At this moment, XQC sixty one k viewers Among Us. That's what he's doing right now. Like play something else. <laughs> Yeah, it's so. I mean, with that, I mean that that's an issue, and I mean it is what it is, right? I mean, so when you think about it, it is a pretty hyper competitive game. I mean, the concept is literally lying to your friends or trying to convince them you're telling the truth, and mm-hmm. you know it, it takes a lot of skill to be a good liar, and as well to prove that you're innocent. So, yep. I, I even <laughs> have, I had some friends that are like, um, if I was imposter. And especially real life friends, just instantly able to know that I am an imposter by the way I'm talking. And it's just like, this game's hard to play with uh, IRL friends because especially if you hang out with them a lot or you've spent a lot of time with them, they they understand how you speak. And especially when you're lying, you know? Yeah. Um, but but that being said, also, if you're an imposter, there, there was times where I just stayed quiet and killed everybody and... Sometimes talking less is the answer because you don't want to give away too much information, especially if you're wrong. Yeah. But, and, and if you get caught doing something, you got to weasel your way out of it. Like I, 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 I was pretty new at the game and, and I knew about venting, but I was in electrical and, and anyone who knows being in electrical, it's, it's a vent in there. Pretty easy spot to kill people. A lot of people go there to do stuff and, and that's where you have to go to fix the lights. And so, I was in there, and, and there was a guy who worked on the panel, and I and I killed him. And instead of taking the vent, or like even hiding in it, I walked out of the room, and there was two people that walked in. But the way that we saw each other is I could have pretended, you know how there's the half wall in there before you go to the top of the room? If I was smarter, I would have said, oh, I just walked in and did my task at the lights, and now I walked out, and I just, you know, walked over to the corner or whatever. Yeah. And, and I definitely could have said, oh, I didn't see anyone. Like, And I even tried to lie. I was like... If I was imposter, why would I not just take the vent out of here? Like, why would I come and leave the room? <laughs> and and they were like, "Oh man, like that's a really good point." But they, they did vote me off, and and actually it was a pretty clutch game because because the other imposter we we were doing a two imposter game, he ended up winning it. So that that was that was awesome. But yeah, it, it, you can definitely, especially with people that are more strange, like strange to you, you know, like they don't know me that well, definitely lie. And and I and yeah. if I had to convince it harder, you know, in my mind I was like, oh man, I'm I'm fucking god, dude. Like, there's not even a point. Like, they just saw me pretty much kill him. But I I, I definitely if I had to convince it and and talked up louder, I I the people voted and then I said my two cents and then they're like, oh man, like maybe we voted the wrong guy out. Like maybe he was just bad, wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> but I, I think if I had to like aggressively defended myself. Definitely could have got out of that one. I'm confident in it, and and you know even with that amount of evidence, right? It's it's planting that seed of doubt, and if you're good at doing that, you're pretty good at convincing people, especially if they don't know you that well. Because like you said, IRL friends, I mean that's like almost impossible to trick them. They've heard you lie, and you know all your jokes and stuff so much, and they know how you act. So if they hey. notice you're acting strange, they're gonna know. At this point, we're actually going to transition to just being an Among Us podcast where we talk about tips and tricks and strategies. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, how you grind the game and the system. So what you do is you don't play North America. The ping's too low and the servers are never on. Asia only. That's meta, <laughs> bud. 
Yeah. Uh, so no, but move, moving forward, <laughs> moving forward from Among Us. Uh, yeah. So how about some, uh, yeah, some big news here with with apparently follow botting getting even more severe. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, you know everyone knows building up a community on Twitch can be a tough task, and you got to put a lot of hours on it and stuff. Uh, so the streamer here, let me just pull up the actual link here. I don't have their name written down in front. What's the the channel name is actually uh, so right here. Let's find it here. Uh, so they've been streaming since 2018. Uh, the streamers are where, where is it here? Uh, it's Ali and Beansa. Anyways. I think that's how you say it. But yeah, they've been streaming. Uh, the account's been active since 2018. They've been streaming then. They've been pretty consistent with their streaming. They've gained a couple thousand followers. Uh, you know, they were about 5,000. And then on September 19th, they got follow-botted to 22,000, which, I mean, that's a pretty significant follow-bot, like four times yeah. the amount of followers. Absolutely. But then a day later, the number went from 22,000 to 4.64 million followers. And, that's insanity. Uh, like that put them in the top ten category for Twitch. <clears throat> so I mean, that, that's that's insane. And there's a tweet here where someone said, "Can anyone explain to me how their channel got 4.6 million subs?" They said subs. They meant followers. In in one day, what is that bullshit? At Twitch, fix that. And they responded by saying, "We got botted, and we've tried to email them multiple times, but they cannot do anything about it." I think Twitch definitely can do something about it, man. Like, they have complete control over their uh, website and they they can do anything they want like shut accounts down ban stuff they can i mean the back they can do anything they want man it's their website they, they have information on everything so i think how Twitch... does that happen though like how is there five million bot accounts just all targeted at one streamer instantly like well when you think such an insane amount of accounts when you think how fast ai can do stuff like how fast a program could run. If you had a program that ran to create accounts, it mm -hmm. wouldn't take you very long to get to five million. But then, what stops this person from just view like doing this to everybody? You know, like Nothing. like all right, Tim the Tapman. I know you already have however many million followers, but let's just give you five million more real quick. You know, and and that's why I think Twitch needs to take an aggressive stand on this where they got to not 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 punish the streamer unless they can prove they've done it to themselves and and unfortunately view botting is statistically proven that it works you know you you will grow if you view bot your stream just because yeah. getting higher up in the leaderboards helps a ton but you know if you get caught you like your career's done like they're gonna ban you for sure and plus your reputation on social media and stuff like you're gonna have to completely rebrand and if there's anyone that has a vendetta or like is like man, this piece of shit. I can't believe he'd view bot and trick us all. You know they might follow you to your new platform and and to everything and and keep calling you out and posting the proof and everything. You know, yeah. and at that point you you deserve it. I mean, you shouldn't have been doing what you were doing, and you know better. Everyone knows better. But yeah, so uh, there's also another channel, Forest of Wires. They they did go from two thousand followers to two point four million, and this is a couple of days after the. Uh, Ali and B, uh, the Ali Binza channel. So uh, I don't. I, it's hard to tell if Twitch won't do any action. Then they're probably not going to ban the account. And the only real reason that you'd ever f like follow bot or view bot someone deliberately is to try and get their account banned as like a troll, right? 
Because, yeah. you know, if, if you do that, the Twitch might auto-flag the account, right? And, and you know, like, an AI or whatever, their programming might auto-ban you. So it's like, man, what are you doing? Like, I don't, I don't know. If I had that happen to me, I wouldn't... I'd be like, oh, cool. Like, someone pretty much just cheated for me. I'll report it and hope it gets fixed, but... If not, this is just the reality now, man. Like, it is what it is. Yeah. I, I feel like, I mean, hey, followers are followers. The more you have, the better. At the same time, it's just like, it's just a number in yeah. a sense. And you want to hit these milestones organically. Um, So I could understand people getting upset, but there are applications out right now that you could go to a website and unfollow or make all of those people um, not be a follower anymore. Yeah. Commander Root like Commander has Root, the, yeah. 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 And, and that's a utility you got to use at your own risk. I, I've seen someone accidentally like set their follower account to zero when they were mm -hmm. trying to remove bots. And, and you got to be careful when you use a tool like that. And especially cause it's not an official Twitch sanctioned tool. So, you know, I'd rather have Twitch officially deal with it, but if they won't do anything, you might have to take matters in your own hands. And it's kind of sad that... It's, a, it's up to how you want to handle it at that point. That a company owned by Amazon, one of the world's richest companies, cannot actually fix an issue with your channel after you've reported it numerous times. And you could probably get legitimate followers to send reports into. So, like, yeah. that would be a lot of report traffic on one channel, and more than enough to set that off and you'd think someone would have to look at it and be like oh wow like their social blade stat and our internal systems report that this channel just got ginormous in literally five seconds like there's well, no way that's it. legit <laughs> yeah anyway hey, so with, yeah we, that we, being said i mean that's basically the streamer section we don't have a lot of news today on streaming but hey, when we get those juicy details and breaking news for Twitch, we'll be, or not not just Twitch, streaming in general, we'll be sure to inform you guys as we get it. This next section is, is kind of streamer-based, but more tech. Uh, so Elgato now has a new ring light that a lot of, a lot of you people might be familiar with. Uh, oh, they, yeah? So they have the new ring light joining their lighting family alongside the key light and the key light air. Uh, <clears throat> so some of the, the really good features are it's edge lit. So the light isn't directly on your face, and there's multiple diffusers, two of them, in fact, and it uses Opel. Is that how you say it? Opel? I think it's Opel. Opel? Opel glass uh, and a translucent grid panel as well. So this really, in, in I watched Epos Vox's video on it, it really prevents any eye strain at all. And you'd think, oh, man, like a light five feet from my face or even smaller in some instances, right? You'd be like, oh, it must have some amount of, like, <coughs> fatigue. Nope. Like, pretty much none. Like, and you're looking at the light right in your eyes, essentially, for hours at a time. Elgato has done a great job mitigating this. And as well yeah. as they have the central camera mount inside the ring, so you can actually completely center your camera inside the light. So that's that amazing. The light shines right on your face, and the camera aims the same way the light goes. So it's perfect yeah. for for lighting up your face. Uh, I personally have a light on this side and a light on that side, which is good for the green screen. But I think a ring light in front would get rid of any shadows that I have on my face, which would be ideal. But you know, it, I mean, hey, I, I'm rocking an Elgato key light air right now, and I think that's probably one of my um, better purchases I've made for streaming. 
I mean, as of right now, if you're watching the video version, you can see this is my, the light at 25%. And it's also at the, uh, like the orange, like, uh, what is it called? Uh, the warm light. The color so then I can, I can change it. Yeah, the color temperature to be three different options. And, and I mean, you can do it all manually on your phone. And then like 25%, 50%, 100%. I, I can look at it 100% and it's not hurting my eyes just because of how they do it. But uh, I have it all integrated with my stream deck here. It's a beautiful piece of equipment and it's very, very, very high quality. So if you're a streamer, and you want better lighting, I highly suggest just going all in and getting an Elgato light of some sort. Yeah, get, get the proper gear so you can have easier control. And, you know, and, and if you're serious about streaming, you know, it's a lot of money to drop up front. You know, it's like, what, 200 bucks or something for this, I think, or something around there? Uh, I'm not exactly sure how much the uh, ring light is, but I paid 130 for my key light air. Oh, Which, I mean, hey, it's pricey for a light, but when it has uh, Wi-Fi capabilities in it and you can hook it up to your phone and your stream deck and change it however you want, it's just worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Yeah, and I've seen cheaper, you know, ring lights on Amazon and stuff. I think we all have, like, 50 bucks or whatever, and you're like, oh, it's not bad. But, like, when you look at it, you don't have nearly as much control. You don't have the camera mount. It's going to hurt your eyes after a while. And yeah, it's 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 270 US dollars. I, I just looked at their website. And that's a pretty penny, but for the ring light? Yeah, for the ring light, yeah. And, Holy guacamole. And if, and if you're and it comes with a $25 phone grip that you can buy uh, optionally on the side and a heavy base as well. I think if that was like you weren't going to clamp it to your desk, you wanted to like put the base on. Anyways, it is pricey. I use the heavy, the heavy base. Oh no! On my side right here, it says one ninety nine. So oh, maybe, maybe it's maybe it converted to the Canadian for me. Okay. Yeah. So so one ninety nine for a ring light US. I, it definitely makes sense. Being yeah, two two seventy for Canadian. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, yeah, two hundred US dollars. It, it's still it's still pretty penny, right? So. Oh yeah. But again, like I said, you can spend the fifty bucks and get mediocre gear or you can spend the 200 bucks and get the top of the line stuff that you can control from your phone from their app from your stream deck if you have one and the more you know it's kind of reminds me of an apple ecosystem in a sense where once you get your iphone then it's like man now i need my iWatch or like my you know my smartwatch you know uh, what, why am i blanking out what it's called Apple Watch. Apple Watch. Oh my! <laughs> I was thinking iWatch, like, like a complete idiot. But yeah, and then you get involved in their ecosystem, and now you get their like Apple Buds, you know, the earpods or whatever. And then it's like now, now you got everything. Yeah. And it's the same with Elgato. Like you buy the Stream Deck, and now you're like, well, you know, if I bought their lights, I could control them from my Stream Deck. So now I'll buy their lights. Oh man, they'd be sick to have a green screen. Oh, Elgato sells a green screen. Look at that. And it's all <laughs> such high quality merch. Like you know, like everything, everything you buy. All, all their gear is, is awesome. And, you know, there's some flaws, just like every product. But I the green screen behind me, it's, it's on the floor because, it, it, you know, you can put it away, which is awesome. And it's one of the biggest reasons why I bought it. And people, if anyone argues that the quality difference isn't worth the price, they're just wrong. And, and it's okay if you want a cheaper alternative. Like, that's fine. But don't knock the Elgato product's quality just because their price tag is premium. Exactly. 
agree with you 100% there. Get an Elgato if you want perfect lighting. Um, maybe not perfect, but 99% because yeah, goddamn, I'll never go back. <laughs> what we got here? Yeah, so uh, a lot of people probably heard of the Amazon Ring camera. So uh, the Ring camera is from Amazon. It's their own personal brand for home security system. And they've had issues with being breached before with hackers and such. Uh, and now that they have a camera now that's on a tiny drone. So this Amazon Ring drone will fly around your house and you can integrate it with your home's alarm system. So what this means is, let's say, you know, like I, I, I've installed for, for work, I've installed alarm systems before. So I have a pretty good understanding of how they work. So you can get door contacts, right? And so, you know, there's a, it's essentially a magnet, right? One goes on the top of the door, like, you know, actually connected to the door and the other goes on the frame. So it can mm -hmm. sense, you know, if the magnets are connected, doors closed. If the magnets aren't connected, doors open. Yeah. Very simple system. But now with this ring light camera that they have, I said ring light, ring camera that they have, uh, you can now, with this drone, it'll actually detect when doors open if your alarm is, you know, set up for this. And, and it's all controlled in their app. But the drone will fly over and take a video feed of why the door just opened or why that there's motion on this camera or this. And it is yeah, this little... Cool. It has this little base that it sits in, and when it's sitting in there, it charges, and you, you don't get much fly time. I think it's like 10 minutes or something, but that's more than enough if you're just, you know, it's in your house. And you can even set it to follow you around while you're home to constantly monitor what you're doing. I don't, I don't know why you'd want that personally. But, uh, yeah, so obviously this is a hacker's dream, right? Like a camera that you can actually control, like literally take control of this camera and fly it around and see what people are doing. That's uh, the concept's good. In practice, it's it's bad. I see it. I see, I see what you mean. And it's it's two hundred and fifty dollars, which isn't a ton of money for a home security camera, especially one with that kind of features. But it's it's a pretty penny, and it's not something I personally would suggest in your home. We've we use Alarm.com cameras for work, and they sync with your alarm panel, and they're, and they're really really nice pieces of gear. They'll send notifications to your phone and and certain timings and stuff and. You know, you pay a monthly fee, but really, it's not not really that much money. And and I would I would probably go with something like that over this because of the security concerns with this much too high in my opinion for it to be worth it. So I, I mean I don't know what what do you think? Would you would you run this in your home? Uh, I think it's a very good idea, um, in a sense because if I mean, I guess if you're not home and you don't have I mean, what's the point or what's the difference of just setting up a stationary camera pointed at your doors well, see, rather with, than getting a drone? With this is even if I'm not home, I can like use the app on my phone and tell the drone to go somewhere so I can look at it at, at any time. And, and that does save, you know, setting up cameras in each individual room. And people don't normally put up cameras in their bedroom. But with this, mm. you can fly the camera into your bedroom and see what's going on in there while you're not home. And you know, the, the concept's good. If they had the same device that, it, but it wasn't connected to the internet, it was just in your home. Much rather that, because yeah. you know I have installed NVRs, network video recorders with cameras and stuff, and and you can have the option of either connecting it to the internet or not. And if you don't, well, the only way you can get hacked is if someone breaches your home network. And but if it's not plugged into an Ethernet port at all, they're not ever going to find it. So yeah, it's, yeah, it, it, that's. 
if if you could do it like that and just run it offline, I, I'd say it'd be much easier. But I don't think that's an option for it. Yeah, uh, it's definitely some new age technology, and I know we're gonna eventually see some videos on it operating real time and see how that goes. So, pretty excited for that, honestly. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, de- it's definitely, it's definitely, like you said, it could be a security risk and what, risk and whatnot. But I think it is something that can be very viable. Yeah, like again, First good idea. If you have a big home, though, you probably have enough money to put cameras wherever you want and hire people like me to go run wire and set up a proper system instead of having yeah. to rely on a drone. That's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know... I could also home. see, in a sense, um, you know how you said you can have it follow people around? Like, what if you're taking care of somebody who's who may be elderly or disabled of some sort and and maybe if they're moving around or something like that, the drone can make sure to keep focus on this person, especially if they get out of camera view somewhere that they're still okay. Well, keep in mind, right? It's only about a 10 minute battery life. So you wouldn't get yeah. much use of that until it has to go charge. And I don't know what the charge time's like, but you know, that that's still decent, you know, if, if, but if you're at home, right, you wouldn't need the camera to be watching them. You should be watching them. And, and if they're, in that bad of a shape where you need a camera on them at all times to be watching them, you probably should just be there with them. (laughs) The the video that they show has a burglar walk into the house and and the door with the motion contact at the top trips and the home alarm goes off and the drone like takes off out of the base and flies over and the guy sees the drone with the camera on and he like looks scared and he takes off. Realistically, (laughs) if someone's probably going to rob your house, they'd probably just run up and hit the drone and break it. (laughs) So it's possible. Anyways, we can get hey. to our last topic uh, of the of the evening for the podcast, which is uh, a PC Gamer article here about EVGA confirming that the NVIDIA RTX 3080s have uh, capacitor issues, which are causing crashes on their cards. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll read some quotes here from their article. This, this is your uh, specialty here. A, a so bit I'm of, just going to sit back and listen. A bit of my domain, huh? Yeah, so... Definitely your domain. Anyways, yeah. So th- they're saying here that... An increasing volume of scattered reports are identifying crashes associated with the factory overclocked NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3080 graphics card. So factory overclock means that uh, EVGA or ASUS or any add-in board partner, they pre-overclock their cards to run at higher clock speeds to make them more appealing to consumers. Because you'll look at the Founders Edition card and you'll see, oh, this card has this speed. But then you look at the ASUS or the EVGA card and you're like, oh, this card runs faster when I put it in my computer right away. I'll buy that one instead. So that, that's why they, they factory overclocked them. Uh, <clears throat> our sister site, Tom's Hardware, has identified a statement from EVGA that seems to confirm that a specific type of capacitor could be a contributing factor in these crashes. A previous report by website Igor's Lab studied that the capacitors uh, are the likely culprit behind these crashes, instability, and black screens people are experiencing. EVGA's statement says that engineers were doing quality control testing on the new cards when they found that a specific six-capacitor configuration on their cards cannot pass the real-world applications testing. The the replacement of some of the capacitors called POSCAPs, P-O-S-C-A-P-S, funny enough, engineers call these capacitors piece of shit capacitors because they're they're lower quality than than (laughs) normally you find. Uh, so with a larger number of alternate MLCC capacitors, this fixed the problem, that they're higher quality capacitors. 
This is why EVGA GeForce RTX 3080 FTW3 series cards were delayed at launch, said EVGA. Rumors of problems. Yeah, R- rumors of problems with some RTX 3080 cards began to circulate earlier this week, and now we have increasing numbers of reports on the forums and Reddit have appeared. Those issues have been mostly traced to pre-overclock cards, as mainly lowering the clock speeds seem to have fixed these problems. Most of these cards are using all POSCAP construction, and the EVGA report seems to indicate that problems were prevalent when their own designs used all POSCAP constructions. So, not really sure why EVGA would test these capacitors, knowing that they're not that good, and then ship the product anyways, knowing that it wasn't working that well, and they've had testing ideas that they weren't that good, and they're still, yeah, well, we delayed it once. Ship it anyways, boys. Who cares? And now they're going to have to... Somebody missed something somewhere. They're going to have to refund and, and send out new cards to all these people, which is a big waste of time and money, and, and that's a huge problem, right? Yeah. I mean, hey, as long... It's still early in the uh, 3000 series, so I guess it's better caught now than later down the road when more becomes available in stock. Yeah, um, it, it sucks if you own it, but I mean, it's it's the price that any early adopter pays for new products, right? Like, unfortunately, it's just the reality that the consumers beta test every product that comes to market now, and unfortunately, yeah. that's the truth. Early of it. access. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not EVGA's first time doing doing something like this, and and it was it was an overheating issue with thermal pads, I believe, on their 1080Ti. Uh, model but uh they they did fix that and and give everyone new cards with with fixed issues or or if you opted you would they would send you the thermal pads and you could deconstruct the card you know with instructions and such and put the pads on yourself uh, a five cent fix <laughs> to prevent overheating it's it's kind of crazy that that was the oversight but yeah uh <clears throat> anyways we 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 talked about ssds earlier you know ps5 xbox and now a data now has a uh, a new SSD in the one terabyte to two terabyte capacity ranges that that they're using the M.2 2280 form factor and this is a PCIe Gen 4 SSD that seems to have I believe the fastest read and write speeds on the market right now with 7.4 gigabit per second reads uh, max and 6.4 gigabit per second writes so that is a crazy fast SSD no no news on pricing or, or when they're going to be available yet hopefully soon since they're releasing specs and such now but that that's that's an exciting time for people that are into high speed storage because now you have an well, even better option in the next the next next gen of consoles yeah yeah <laughs> but uh yeah that that's kind of crazy i mean i i just got a, a wd black uh m2 those are solid really fast good reliable yeah. drives i'm not i'm not exactly sure the speed of it to be honest with you i'd have to look at what i bought because i don't remember off the top of my head but uh m.2s are fast and you will notice that if you get a ps5 or xbox series x because i mean load times have drastically increased what i like like escape from tarkov i had that on my hard drive and i it take me like five extra minutes to get into a game while my friends are waiting for me and I got an M.2, and now I get him before them. So, <laughs> Yeah, and, and what I really like about the M.2 stuff is there's no cabling required. You just unscrew a screw, slide it in, oh, yeah. re-screw the screw. It's, it's like literally that easy. Extremely easy. Yeah, it's 
the tech's awesome and you know it, it it's great i i assume in the future within probably 20 years we probably won't be using mechanical spinning drives anymore or if we do yeah. it'll only be in enterprise uses like uh servers and stuff for like mass storage like you know let's say i think seagate has plans for a 30 terabyte drive so if you got your hands on one of those that's a lot of storage you can have in a in a small oh, spot right so yeah, I, I think we're going to wrap it up there for the podcast, eh? What are you thinking? Yeah, that's about it. That's all we have to share, and can't wait to get this podcast out. I mean, by the time you hear this, it will be out. But, um, I mean, hey, we'll be posting this, and we'll get ready for the next one, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, again, a big a big guest uh, or a big uh, special shout out to our guest Ethan for coming on the show. You can find him at at Znylix, Z N Y L I X. I'll if I remember, I'll put it on the screen for you. As well as uh, at G G P R Y D E, G G Pride is their official uh, esports team Twitter. So yeah, go go check those guys out there and the and the whole team. And if you're interested, you know, take a look at Pride. Maybe maybe it's a community that you want to be a part of because they all seem like really nice guys there. Oh yeah. With that being said, everybody have a great day, great evening. Depends on when you're watching this, but have a great day. And we will see you next week next week on the guest podcast. I'm Tommy Nash. Big gaming. And peace out. Signing off, boys.